0: Hi guys, welcome back to Enlightened and Annoyed with Alice Saltzman. Today on the show, after losing my dog this last week, I wanted to talk about grief. I want to examine the human experience of grieving a loss and how to take care of yourself physically and emotionally during the, these tough times. If you're new to the show, my website is atawithalice.com. That's A-T-H-A with Alice dot translates to right here, right now. And right here, right now, I'd like to talk about my experience the past week and a half after losing my sweet Rottweiler Chuck. He uh, was rescued by my husband and I December 28th, 2019. So it was about three months, three months, three and a half months before the pandemic hit. So when we rescued Chuck, he was had been left in a backyard in Miami, uh, had a BB inside of him. Um, so he, for five months, he was pretty much eating God knows what. What the neighbors fed him, garbage, you name it. He was rescued after the neighbors had called by Rottweiler Rescue, and we picked him up at a vet in Hialeah. And I, like I said, when we got him, he was really a hot mess. He was like emaciated. They had, um, they had. Um, done some work on him. They gave him all his vaccines, which he probably had had. And then he, they gave him extra vaccines. So that probably compromised his health. So they had neutered him. They had vaccinated him. So when we got to him, he had been at this vet, um, probably about a month. And um, anyway, so we met him and he appeared very sweet. We brought him home. Of course, when we were going there to meet him, we were not going to leave him there. We took him home And we were not sure what the hell we got. We got home. We started to pet him. And the first thing he did was like, and he showed his teeth and we were like, holy shit, this dog is evil. He's going to bite us. going to eat us. Anyway, he ended up to be a really sweet guy. Um, First couple of days, you know, we were walking him and I was walking him and all of a sudden he would like yelp. I was like, oh, no, there's something wrong with him. Brought him to the vet. The vet's like, ah, I'll give you some anti-inflammatories. I can't find anything wrong with him. And after we brought him back from the vet, he's, he appeared to be happy again. Like, it was like, I don't know what his deal was. He was an emotional freaking actor. Then um, he started to get, you know, he had, like, no personality, sort of like a blank face. Friends and neighbors were stopping by and like, Allison, oh, I don't know about this dog. I'm like, eh, you know, they say three months Literally, within three months, he started to really become a happy guy. And uh, four months, okay, so now that now we're into the pandemic. Three and a half months, the pandemic hits. So now Paul and I lose our jobs. Everybody's home. So now we're with Chuck 24-7. I mean, walking. Uh, we were out because, you know, the only place we could have fresh air without a mask on uh, was outside. And so we are walking four times a day, sometimes five. And now the fourth month comes April. We have him four months playing with Chuck, throwing the ball. All of a sudden Chuck turns around and blood is gushing out of his nose. I'm like, shit, did you hit your nose? What the hell? Okay. Can't stop the nosebleed. The nosebleed won't stop. Blood is gushing. Now this dog is a hundred pounds, mind you. And every time he shakes his head, blood is flying around my house. I have white walls. White couch, white chair. I'm like, everything, freaking, it looks like a freaking, you know, a Pollock painting. Like if, if you saw the scene in like Pulp Fiction, when they the guy shoot him in the back of the car, there's blood freaking everywhere. Bring him to the vet. And the vet's like, oh no, this is beyond me. You got to take him to a specialist. Bring them to the specialist. The specialist is like, oh, no, this is beyond me. you got to take him to the, the oncologist. Okay, 6,000 and change later, weeks of weeks of nosebleed, the oncologist is like, tests them for 56 kinds of auriculosis, which is a tick-borne illness because we're not sure what happened in the backyard, and they test them for this odd kind of cancer. They t- test them for all different kinds of cancer, apparently has this this – very rare type of cancer, spleen. The spleen's gigantic, da-da-da-da. She's like, this dog has three to six months to live. He's going to die. Okay. But his nose is still bleeding. I'm like, just could you please stop the nosebleed? back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like almost seven grand. And about five, six weeks later, the nosebleed finally stops. I mean, I have to keep putting him in the pen because every time he shakes his head, blood's everywhere. He, I'd open a drawer, he'd stick his face in the drawer. I'd have blood on all my clothes in the drawer. I mean, literally he was that incurious, but his nose was gushing. Okay, finally stops five, six weeks later. I take him to a homeopath, naturopathic vet. She puts him on two Chinese herbs, And she's like, one's for the cancer, one's for his bowel movements because he constantly had diarrhea. The dog came with bad bowel movements. He just, I mean, it was a constant struggle to have him on, you know, I changed his food to Stella and Chewy's freaking stupid, expensive shit. Everything, everything. His herbs were expensive. His food was expensive. Everything. So now I got him on these two Chinese herbs. He's doing great. And he's like an amazing, happy, thriving, thriving dog. And then we go on and on, and uh, we take him. And about a year later, he's back at the the homeopath naturopath, some issues. She's like, oh, do this, do this. Take him back to the regular vet. The regular vet, I can't believe he's alive this long. He's just going to die. Don't bother with the Chinese herbs. I still put him on the Chinese herbs. He's doing all right. You know, we do some other tweaks, and he's okay. We move. Um, now we move. last year. We moved in 2021, in May of 2021, to the new house. He hated the new house. He kind of, like, started to lay down. He didn't want to walk. All right. So I got him trained through my friend Steve, got me to, to get this this contraption this easy educator kind of like like vibrated on his neck he finally got up and started walking again and that was okay and then a couple months later he's one day he stopped eating and he didn't want to eat and uh, he laid down brought him to the vet up there he does who does western medicine and eastern medicine He's like, you know, $1,000 later, then he's like, yeah, I told him the whole story about the spleen, the cancer. He's like, oh, I know the doctor. She's a triple board certified oncologist. He's like, wow. He's like, the dog's doing okay. He's not ready to go yet. Did some work. Okay, good to go. He was good for another, I don't know, another eight, nine months. A couple, about a month ago, again, he started to have, and a couple months ago, oh, no, about a month ago, he started to have a thing. Um, he was still eating, but he like couldn't go to the bathroom. He was like, you know, I don't know. And we brought him to the vet. Another seven, eight hundred dollars. She's like, oh, let's change his food. It could be this. His spleen is gigantic. His liver is gigantic, but his blood's not terrible. She said it could be the cancer. Let's try to change the food. The change of food did nothing. So here we are. Last oh, about a week and a half ago, um, he still had diarrhea. I was doing everything, and. Um, I it was a Thursday night. We were leaving on a Friday morning for the weekend, and I said, and "He smells," and um, and he had diarrhea. I told my babysitter, who's my vet tech, the next day. He t- comes, he takes care of him. He's like, "All right, on Friday, Saturday, I don't call, I don't text. I'm busy in Manhattan," and um, he got sick, and he, you know, he couldn't eat, and he wasn't able to keep food down, and uh, he was having diarrhea. And on Sunday, I texted and called him in the morning, and he was very sick. And the vet tech took his vet temperature at home. He had 105. He was putting ice packs on him, went up to 106. He ended up at the emergency. And um, emergency Sunday night, we got home. We were with him until 1230 at the emergency from 730 at night. My dog sitter was with him from the afternoon till then. Brought him home. I wanted him to pass at home, and he just wouldn't let go. He couldn't get up. He like, you know, collapsed and he couldn't eat, couldn't do anything. And the next morning I brought him to the vet. Um and he um he couldn't he couldn't do do anything. He just he collapsed, he was done. And uh we had to put him to sleep. And I tell you what, I've had dogs die at home and I begged this dog to die at home. He just wouldn't let go, even though he couldn't get up, he couldn't walk, he couldn't do anything. Um, It is the hardest thing, I think, for any person to put their dog to sleep, especially a five and a half year old dog. Uh, He was young. So young, young, that was hard. Putting a dog to sleep who was young, whose life was really cut short due to um, an illness that he might have not gotten if he maybe wasn't um, abandoned and, you know, really put through so much emotional strain at at such a young age, like they said, he was three, three and a half when we got him. So, you know, he was basically left out to die at like two and a half, three years old. Um, but what what's sad is, is that, you know, this dog, um, again, we got him during the pandemic, he was with me 24 seven, I never really went back to work full time. And he would follow me to the bathroom, follow me to the kitchen, follow me to the bedroom, follow me. He was with me all day long, I took him to the park, we did four, sometimes five walks a day. What happens with the the love of a dog is that they love you unconditionally no matter what. I would get mad at him sometimes. I'd be like, fuck Chuck, you know, he'd step on me or he'd bite me by accident when i go to feed him food out of my hand the wrong way. You know, like not, like, not terrible, but, you know, like, he was just a maniac. He would jump on me. He was gigantic. He, the dog was so full of life and loved, loved, loved unconditionally, would let anybody pet him. Would let he was like dogs would growl at him, bark at him. He'd be like, whatever. The dog was friendly, happy. He was a love. So my point being is that after the loss of a dog, is that we think, you know, um, it's just we. I, I think the loss of an animal is really different than the loss of a human. First of all, animals can't speak, so it's just like that unconditional love. They can't speak with their voice necessarily. But um, the love that they show us is very different than the love of a human. Um, granted, it's, um, it's special. It's a special bond we have with our animals. And um, I wanted to talk about how important it is for us to care for ourselves emotionally, really nurturing ourselves, eating well, getting enough rest, and really taking time to grieve. Like everybody's like, oh, life goes on, just get another dog. Well, I'm not ready to get another dog. I probably will get another dog in due time, but I'm not ready right now. Not, and like my, my husband would get a new dog yesterday. I'm not ready. And I was the one who was home with him 24 7. So I want to just talk about how important it is for us to grieve and nurture ourselves and get. Time back, you know, it's interesting, I would sometimes not want to leave the house for too many hours because I didn't want to leave Chuck home for more than five or six hours at a time because it's not fair to a dog you know, how I took time out of my day to take him to a park so he would get enough exercise, how I made sure that he got at least four walks a day, that I wouldn't take him out, you know, we live in Florida and it's the summer, that I wouldn't, you know, make sure that he didn't get too much heat on, you know, on a blacktop, make sure that he was on a white sidewalk or in a shady place when he he would have to walk in the midday. Um, I think it's really incredible how we are, uh, if you're, if you're, a a conscious dog owner, the way we, we really care for our animals and how important it is to care for ourselves after our animals go on. And, you know, they, you know, he did his job here in terms of unconditional love, teaching myself and my husband how to love unconditionally more than maybe we forgot. I think that was another important lesson for the family, to just, you know, I know some of you have husbands and wives, sisters, brothers, whatever, and the love that you have for your dog is way different than you have for your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend. You may come home and not kiss up your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend. The way when you walk in that door and those dogs greet you and how you love and hug and kiss them up and that they when you come home, you could be gone 10 minutes or 10 days or 10 hours and you come home and they are like, yay, mommy, daddy, yay, yay. Like there's, there's just, there's such glee and so much love enthusiasm and excitement that if we only showed each other that same love, enthusiasm and excitement, you know, again, in the world today, there's so much opinion about, oh, you can't say this, you can't do this, we we don't agree, so we hate each other. Like, a dog doesn't see color of skin. A dog doesn't see what political party you think is better. A dog doesn't see a good joke or a bad joke. Like we've become so like, oh, I can't say this, I can't say that. I can't, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm not allowed to make Helen Keller jokes. I'm not allowed to make this joke. Oh my God, it's comedy. People are being banned from saying certain words or certain jokes or like making fun of people who may be this, that. We've been making fun of each other for years. Like, you know, a dog doesn't care. You make fun of them. They don't care. They like you anyway. So my point being is I want to get back to humans now how we respond to so many things that we should really let go of you know that so what somebody made fun of you you know when we were young I mean in the 60s and 70s you know our parents or our friends made fun it was a joke and it was okay and we got over it and we went on now everybody's coddled and we're not allowed to say this we're not allowed to say that we're not allowed to you know we all have to just sometimes we have a loss. Sometimes we have, you know, we may make mistakes. We get up, brush ourselves off and do it again. Sometimes we have a terrible loss. We grieve for a while and we get up and we learn how to live again. And we may be learning how to live with a new sense of love and, um, being, having more of an open heart. Like, I think it's really important now to understand that we all need to open up our hearts to each other, that we really don't need to hate each other because of one opinion or another, or one bad joke or another. And we should be allowed to have freedom of speech. You know, this is, I still live in America, and we should be allowed to write what we want, say what we want if it hurts. Like now they're banning these books that. They don't want children to learn about certain things that were written in these books that were so poignant and so powerful. And yes, we may not agree with history. It may hurt us, like we may feel hurt or uncomfortable by it. But these are the things, the lessons we learn in life on how to go on, on how to deal with the hurt, on how to deal with things that make us uncomfortable or, you know, that make us grieve or that make us sad. And how do we go on from there? So, in terms of taking care of ourselves, you know, physically, getting enough rest, and I say this every freaking podcast: getting enough rest, sleeping enough, eating well enough that you're not poisoning yourself with all sorts of shit and too much sugar, too much fried foods, too much alcohol, too many drugs. You know, granted. We live in this world. You want to have the pizza, have the pizza. You want to have the freaking ice cream cone, have the ice cream cone. You want to go drink yourself into oblivion, do it. I'm not telling you what to eat. You want to have, you want to eat steak, lobster. You want to eat cheese. Do what you want. But I'm saying in terms of taking care of oneself so that you can go to bed at night and wake up the next day and do what you want the next day. We need to, you know, take care of ourselves enough that we can go out and have fun, like light fun, hard fun, whatever. It's important for us to play that you can still go out and play having, if, if you have two feet that work, two arms that work and a head that works, eyes that work, that you could smell, that you could taste, that you could savor the freaking wonderful qualities of life, including The qualities of being able to communicate with animals, to be able to love an animal, to be able to love other humans, to be able to experience all the beauty this world has to offer, you know, the delicious, amazing fruits and vegetables and things that grow from the earth, to be able to experience all the bounties of the world, to be able to see the beautiful sights, the mountains, you know, the sea, flowers, fields, to be able to do all that, to be healthy enough to do that, we must take care of ourselves. And with that being said, you've been listening to Enlightened and Annoyed with Alice Saltzman. My website is atawithalice.com. That's A-T-H-A with Alice.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.